0: Hello, welcome to Feed, Play, Love, the bite-sized podcast for parents. I'm Siobhan Hunt. This is a show all about parenting. I speak to experts and carers about everything from fussy eating, toddler behavior, sleep and more. Learning how to read is hard. You've probably forgotten how hard, but when your child first starts learning, it is quickly apparent that it's a skill acquired through work and persistence work and persistence that young children may not like. Helping your child to continue to learn how to read can be a struggle, particularly if you want to love them doing it and not resent the whole process. Brian Caswell is the Head of Research and Program Development at Mindchamps, a global early learning organisation. He's taught at both primary school and high school and is an award-winning author of fiction for young people. Hi, Brian. How are you? Hello. How are you? Good, thank you. (laughs) I'm going to start with possibly a difficult question. I don't know. In Australia, most children start learning how to read around the age of five. Is that the optimal age to start learning your letters?
1: The age of five is the optimal age for a more formal approach to reading, um, because before that age, there are areas of the brain that don't actually come online. So you know when we say my child learned to read at the age of three or four there are elements of reading that that a child will be able to master at that age but the full complete notion of of sounding letters of comprehending information really doesn't um kick in until about the age of five or six so um when we say you know that formal instruction yeah around the age of five is is quite adequate but if there's no preparation done before then then it becomes a horrendously difficult thing for a child to master. And as you said, um, something that they actually dread doing instead of um, uh, enjoying it and looking forward to it.
0: To ask a controversial question, lots of people will have read about how Finland teaches children and how they start most of the formal learning processes at around seven years of age. Could it be that sometimes we start, even at five, we're starting kids too early and it's a bit like toilet training. You know, like toilet training, you toilet train a child at two and a half when they're not ready and it'll be painful and awful and messy. And then you might do it at three or even four and they just take to it easily. Is it possible to compare those sort of two analogies?
1: Well, for me, it's perfectly possible because as far as I'm concerned... Uh, the big mistake that, that people make in any sort of um, preparation of a child for, for future learning is that they tend to segregate and, and compartmentalise the learning into literacy and toilet training and this and that and the other. Um, children don't learn like that. Children learn um, uh, holistically. They They need an environment where all of these things are integrated and and, um, a part of an environment which is playful, which is enjoyable, which the adult isn't there teaching specific things but facilitating the exploration and the experiential learning. Um, And and literacy falls right into that category. Um, What I mean by that is that we can... Start preparing children to be enthusiastic lifelong learners from the day they're born, simply by reading with them, and I say with and not to, because there's a big difference between reading to a child and reading with them, making it an, a, a joint activity. Um, so, when we talked before about you know the formal teaching of say phonics etc. at the age of five, that's one thing, but experience with language, experience with talking and listening, and and listening particularly to the language of literature, which is very different to the spoken language. Very, very important that children experience that language from birth, because it is like a foreign language if you come to it suddenly at the age of five.
0: So is that, when you say reading with children from the beginning, um, is that almost the preparation, the pre-literacy preparation, the pre-formal learning preparation that can help a child start reading without hating it?
1: Absolutely. Um, familiarity is, is the key. If, if I'm familiar with books, if I if I understand how to hold a book, which way the pages turn, that the pictures and the words are connected, that I can, I can gather more information from the illustration as well as the words that are on the page. If I understand that those squiggles on the page actually do represent uh, a spoken language, if I have all of that before I'm condemned to, to the activity of, of learning that that squeakle equals that sound. Um, what we're aiming to do really in the pre-literacy um, stage, and that is from zero to, to four or five or six even, uh, what we're aiming to do is to make books so familiar and so loved, the act of, of sitting down with mum or dad or, or you know a significant other and just curling up in their lap, reading the book, Predicting what might happen, you know, commenting on the pictures, etc. Before we get to the hard stuff, then, um, well, for example, I have a large number of grandchildren, and and um, I read with all of them as much as often as I can, and we we have made a point never to drill children or flashcard children or anything like that. But all of all of my children, all of my grandchildren, in particular, when they um, enter school they haven't had any formal um, uh, experience of phonics teaching but when they go to school and the phonics are, are introduced they, they master them very quickly simply because reading is a natural part of their life and this is just the next step so that I can actually go and enjoy those books without someone reading them to me that becomes a drive for learning the, the more difficult or more, more uh, abstract aspects of reading
0: I probably can't expect that any child is going to absolutely love learning because it's hard. Learning how to read itself, it, it's possibly the first time they may, might come across that kind of um, struggle in terms of things not working out and needing to keep going. Yeah. Um, how much does it have to do with the text itself? Because I think of my daughter, and I definitely read to her from the time she was a baby, when she came home with the readers from school, they were just so boring and so old. You know, they they must have been around before I was even born. That...
1: Probably before I was even born.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Does that actually play into it? Because I know it's not going to be something I can expect her to enjoy from the moment she starts reading, even if she's used to hearing those words. Does the text play into it at all?
1: Absolutely. You See the issue with any learning um, process is engagement. If you're not engaged, you don't learn. It's just, and if you're a child, if you're not engaged, you don't even try to learn. Um, if there's no engagement in the subject matter, in the level of text, in the illustrations, I mean, if the illustrations are 1950s illustrations, 1960s illustrations, um, which are notoriously literal, <laughs> apart how to cook from a muffin? Else. Oh my god. And you know if that 's what you 're presenting to a five year old who lives on Nickelodeon who has um, iPads full of really exciting stuff happening all the time, and you 're saying, "Oh, this is much more fun um, the The message and the um, and the practice do not match what we need is for children to be so experienced with really exciting, interesting, engaging books well before we asked them to decode those books. So that, I mean, I, my grandchildren knew some of the books off by heart well before they could decode anything. They could predict what was going to happen because the books were designed. You know, writing a picture book is not simply a literal activity. It's a literary activity. It's one of the hardest things. I've written novels. I've written books for adults. I've written picture books for for children. Writing picture books is the most difficult of all of them because you have to use a very limited vocabulary but make it so engaging and so exciting that the kid will want to do that rather than anything else. If it's not that sort of experience, then you can't expect a child, even at the age of seven or eight, to be interested in in learning that process.
0: So how do you then uh, find a way to get them engaged once they've started learning? Um, I remember going to the library once and saying, you know, I'd like to borrow some books that are at my daughter's reading level. And they were all from different countries or states or something about the way they numbered them was not the same as what my daughter's primary school does. But when I spoke to her teacher, he said one of the problems he has found is that children assume their reading is better than it is because their comprehension They're not understanding the pictures or the meaning behind the words, so they keep going further up without really learning the skills at their level. So how do you choose an engaging picture book if it's not available at your primary school?
1: That's probably the million-dollar question always, but, but basically forget, I think, as a parent, forget trying to get reading age right. Forget oh, this language level is exactly right for my child's reading ability. It's not about that. It's about, is my child interested in this book? Can we sit down together and play with this book and make it an important event so that my child goes to bed thinking, that was the greatest time I've had all day? Um, sometimes the language of the book will be more difficult than the child can actually read. Fine, read it with them. Let them read Certain parts of it, read the more difficult parts with them, uh, ask them to predict what they think might happen, interpret the pictures, find books that have repetition, find books that have rhythm and rhyme and and all of those things that are going to grab a a child's attention. And forget, we are not all professors of of, um, linguistics. We can't say this is the age for this child and this is the age for that child. And it's meaningless anyway. I mean, even as adults, we write, we read stuff that is beyond our full comprehension, but we make sense of it, and we do that because we're capable readers. Um, my my reading, because a lot of my my life is in research, a lot of the reading that I do is is um, you know papers that scientists have written in scientific language with lots of mathematics in it, which is not my forte at all. Um, but i can i can skim through the mathematics if i i am able to sort of grasp the concepts and the and the detail and then i can go back and look at the conclusions that are based on that mathematics so i'm not reading a paper and understanding everything in it what i'm doing is i'm i'm drawing from that what is necessary for me what's relevant what's important and what's now and children do exactly the same thing they pull out of text what's important to them and it may not be what's important to you just because your child is getting something out of a book that you didn't think the book was about doesn't mean they didn't get it out of there and reading is is a part of a much bigger exploration of a a world that is totally unknown a child starts off with no knowledge whatsoever and builds knowledge by connecting what's in the brain with what's coming into the brain. And literacy is just a part of that. And if we try to segment it and say, okay, we've got to make a child a reader and we've got to make sure that these 46 phonemes or uh, phonic structures are memorized and categorized, and you're going at it the wrong way. You don't build a wall by throwing a whole bunch of bricks at a kid and say, build a wall, <laughs> yeah. that, which is what exactly what phonics instruction is. It's here are all the bricks, go. But if a kid doesn't know what a wall is, if he's never seen a wall, experienced a wall, climbed over a wall, then he's not going to build a wall. Gonna, well, she's going to build something else, and it's not going to look anything like a wall because just having all the bits doesn't give you the blueprint for, for using them. So we give the blueprint first. We, um, one of the analogies I use is, uh, when I'm talking to parents is um, if, you, if you were to be talking about um, the strategy of fine arts, you know, how da Vinci painted the Mona Lisa, for example, you could start off by taking little pieces of the Mona Lisa and putting them up on the screen and saying, right, this is a nose, this is an eye, this is a mouth, this is a chin, and then say, now you know about fine art you're not you don't know anything but if you start off with the whole thing if you start off with the Mona Lisa and you get that emotional connection and then you talk about depth perception you talk about the meaning of the smile or the way the hands are held or the symbolism of x y or z within that context and give a context to to all of that information then you can home in on how the eye is shaded and and what the painter does to give a three-dimensionality to the eye but you can't do that until they've seen the picture and if you try to talk about the Mona Lisa without showing them the Mona Lisa, it's a pointless exercise.
0: Mm. So in summary, if you had to say the most important things you'd like parents to know about engendering a love of reading in your child, especially at a time when it's, it might be challenging for them, what would it be?
1: Forget trying to teach a child to read and just enjoy the experience of sharing books. Read with your children give them a, an active participation in the process of reading make it fun make it tactile make sure that the book is is opened and touched and and discussed outside of the mere text of the of the thing but make sure that the text is read with rhythm with enthusiasm and with joy and if all of that is happening and if it if you're choosing text with lots of rhyme rhythm and repetition. The three Rs. Um, what you end up with is is children who predict the next word, who who repeat those phrases, who bring the book back to you again and again because they want the familiarity and they want the enjoyment and the engagement. That's what you do. Then the reading comes naturally. We don't teach children to speak; we speak with them, and they learn.
0: Oh, I love that. That's great. Brian, thank you so much for speaking with us. Pleasure. That's Brian Caswell. He's the Head of Research and Program Development at Mindchamps. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced by Debbie Ning and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. We'd love to hear from you, so if you'd like to get in touch, email us at feedplaylove at See you next time.